What is up, everybody, and welcome into the All NBA Podcast, part of the All City Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Mades, and I'm joined by my esteemed colleague, Tim Legler. Legs, happy Friday to you. We made it through a week. Yeah, happy Friday. Happy uh, All-Star Weekend, I guess, uh, Eve, or start of the festivities. It really gets underway tonight, so we got some yeah. some events, and, and it's a fun weekend. It's obviously not, you know real competitive basketball it's just for fun and uh it's a, for a lot of other players they get a break so i think that's it's kind of a uh nice take your deep breath moment before we have the push after this coming out of the break well i'm excited later on we're going to talk about all-star weekend and i'm curious to find out if you liked the break more or the all-star weekend more because you had both in your career so we'll talk about that get some behind the scenes perspective but we're going to open up with a couple of very interesting games that happened last night we didn't know if the slate would be interesting well, some interesting things happen. The Warriors beat the Jazz as Klay Thompson comes off the bench and goes full Manu Ginobili, making a huge impact in that game. And the Bucks fall to the Grizzlies in what is a horrible loss for them. We'll get Legs' take on both of those things. But first, we're presented, as always, by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer with this season with code ALLNBA because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. We start with the first game last night, the positive one, which was the Golden State Warriors picking up another win. They bring Clay Thompson off the bench. So this has been coming. You know, he's not going to close every game. His minutes are getting reduced. Last night, he comes off of the bench in a matchup in Utah. Very difficult place to play, especially right before the All-Star break. And he goes for 35 points off the bench, makes seven three-pointers, has one of his best games of the year. Is this a coincidence that on the night he goes to the bench and comes off the bench, he has his best game? I don't know that it's a total coincidence, but look, there's a, there's, there's a lot in play here. I think first, look, he just played well against the Jazz two games ago. Right? That's true. So, 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 so clearly there's something there and, and I know players, you get comfortable against certain teams, So he definitely had a good, good matchup or the way they were covering this team. He got loose a little bit. Um, I think he had what, 27, maybe in that game, if I recall correctly. And now fast forward a couple of games and here he goes, he has his best game of the year. I don't know that it's a coincidence. So here's what I think is going on with this, particularly last night. I think number one, I cannot overstate Adam, how difficult something like this is to embrace for a player. I, it, it, you know, it might not sound like to a fan or an analyst or media, whoever, like, is that a big deal? Oh, what's the big deal? You come off the bench. You know, I mean, you know, you're still going to play like basically close to starters minutes. So what's the big deal? You don't understand like the pride that, that these guys have. He's only 34 years old. I mean, he's not 38 years old. He's 34. He's just passed. I think what I consider prime years are 25 to 31 or 32. He's just out of that. Okay. So, and he's seeing his running mate, for all these years look like he looks this is right. a difficult thing to wrap your head around okay so i love what clay thompson said after the game how he had to get himself into the right state of mind and decided you know what there's two ways i can go here and and he said the game before he had some choice words for the assistant coaches they got into a little bit he said he apologized to them going into last night's game and he knew that he had two choices either be bitter resentful pout angry potentially affect the way I play, affect my teammates, and then carry that into the break. Or I can I can wrap my head around this and be positive and be compassionate for my teammates and go out there and do what they're asking me to do right now, be personal and, and wrap my head. To do it. 
it, it, that's how big a process this is for guys to accept, right? So he does that first. Give him credit. Secondly, it did help because I think two things were happening with this team. The storyline every game was becoming at the beginning of the game. I don't know if you felt this way, but I certainly did every time I watched the Warriors. Well, that's what's going on with Clay tonight. Is Clay going to get it going? Clay getting shots early? Is he making shots? Oh, All here right. he goes again. Oh, oh, for throwing. <laughs> Excuse me. Like it takes on a life of its own outside of actually just playing as a team and, and winning. And I think that was part of it. Like there's too much focus at the start of the game. And a lot of times I feel like the first six minutes are wasted possessions. Nobody's loose. The game's ugly. Mm. It's sloppy. You get some shots up. You're not ready six to roll. Minutes? So, yeah. I, yeah. The first six minutes of the game, but think about it. For the first six minutes of the game, all 10 players, it's almost like there's a written agreement. Everybody's going to get a shot, right? Everybody's going to get a touch. You get a touch. You get a okay. shot. All right. Everybody's good. All right. Now we can start playing basketball. That's kind of what the beginning of the game is. And that's why I've known players that were coming off the bench that clearly could have been starters that preferred coming off the bench because every minute they played counted. Every right. minute wasn't that wasted beginning. Like, give me this the This is really meat. interesting. So Clay got 28 minutes of meat last night. He didn't have the obligatory up right. and down, meaningless, nothing in the beginning. Of, like, he came in with a purpose. So it helped him for sure. It helped their team because they weren't worried about Clay Thompson at the beginning of the game. And Pajemski is a guy that is a ball mover. He's really smart. He facilitates. He can also right. score, shoot the basketball. And he has given that he has earned their trust to such an extent that they have a player capable of throwing into this lineup. And, and they were confident that it would work. So I think it helped their team. They had the right player to, to plug in. It helped Clay. It condensed his game. So it was just all more meaningful meat. And that's what he needed. And then look, the bottom line is you got to make shots then to feel better. And he did. Right. He hit some shots early. He got rolling. He had 17 and a half, I think 18 in the third quarter. Now he didn't play well in the fourth quarter. And, th and that's fine. That happens some nights. I thought overall, it starts with Clay. Give him a pat on the back because that's a hard thing to accept with that kind of pride. It worked for Pajemski and that starters, and it worked for Clay Thompson. I don't know if there's a long-term solution, Adam, but I think in the short term, if they keep winning and playing well in that starting unit, importantly, if they're getting off to good starts every night, this could be something you might see the rest of the year. I want to pull on – I find this fascinating. This is the type of thing I never thought of, Legs, but you being a former player, this is, this is the insight I love. So, you know – Sometimes it's so much harder when everybody is trying to help you. And it almost sounds like that's what you're getting at is in this early rhythm where it's like, let's set everybody up. Let's do this or that now. And when you're in a slump, the pressure's on you because, you know, they're trying to do this for me. And so it sounds like that is one of the benefits you're seeing is that now nobody's trying to set them up. You're just playing. And it doesn't feel like the eyeballs are on you. Of, all right. Here comes that play we run where it's all about clay and he's going to get the shot. Is that kind of what you're hinting, hinting at or one of the – I am absolutely that's, – that's a great summation. And I'm going to tell you what it's like. Uh, it, it, here's what it's like. Start of the game, Clay Thompson comes out and misses two or three. Look, Clay Thompson, I've been watching him, like, and I've said this about him repeatedly, his whole career really, but it, now it's, it's more magnified because he's struggling. The guy wants it so badly. He's got so much pride in like who he is and how he wants to be regarded that sometimes he tries too hard. He wants it too bad. He hunts it too aggressively. And when you do that, if you're not feeling in rhythm, you end up taking tougher shots. And now you have these 0 for 3 starts. And when it and you know what that does? Every single person that's on that team, Steve Kerr included, everybody on that, it whether they acknowledge it or not, it's there. It's hanging in the air. Like, oh man, like Clay off to one of those starts. Like it's gonna be another one of those nights for Clay. This way, 
it's possible you're sitting there. Maybe the starters already got off to a good start. They played well. Things are going well. So you feel differently coming into the game in that situation. You feel, As opposed to at the start, I've got to be one of the ones to get us off to a good start. And you press. And I think that's what Clay's doing. You're not pressing when you come in the game, you know, and you're up six or whatever it may be. Or if you're, and this is why I love coming off the bench. If you're down six, I'm sitting there going, all right, starters didn't play well. Maybe right. the guy that I'm backing up was 0 for 3. Guess what that does for me? I got nothing to lose now. I got nothing <laughs> right, to lose. Right. So you yeah. come in with a freedom, right? You come in with a freedom. And if they're off to a really good start, and this happened in the guy I would back up, whoever that may be throughout my career, if they got off to a great start, first of all, they're probably going to stay on the floor a little bit longer. It's going to adjust like when you go in the game probably. But that's fine. We got an eight-point lead. Now you're going out there. Your mentality is a little bit differently. You can't just come in just you know looking to get off. But right. it, you still feel good because your team is playing well. So it's not about you. That's my point. And with Clay at the start of the game, I feel like for him, it's about him at the start of the game. Like getting going. I got to get right. going. This has to stop tonight. And for his team, it's hanging in the air. Well, you just eliminated all of that, man. man. Check in the game. There's already been a lot of possessions. There's a feel for it. There's a flow to it. Come in. Or may, hey, maybe even he gets a break where he's playing against a backup when he comes in the game instead of their starting two guard. It might be a better defender. There's little things that go into it like that, that now he comes in. I think he was freer. He felt freer, and he said it after the game. So it's not just like my opinion. This is what players feel, and he felt it, and it obviously helped him. I think there are – the best bench players seem to have a good sense for one of the things you're talking about here, which is there's about a dozen different scenarios you can come in. If you come in at the six-minute mark like most first subs, there's about a dozen scenarios you can walk into. Your team is on a big run. Your team's way behind. It's a tie game. I got to imagine there is a different energy you have to bring for each one. And I think the hardest one is the starters were up, but then blew it. So maybe they built a, you know, eight point lead right out of the gate, but then they lost it in the last minute or two. And now you're coming in and the other team has momentum, but they haven't overtaken the lead yet. Maybe you still have a one point lead. So I imagine there are these, can you speak to it coming off the bench? Yeah. Are there these different energies that you have to be like, all right, this is where the team's at, this is where the game's at. This is what I, how I have to adjust. There's no question about it. There's also another component to it. And, and, and I'm going to say this. I'm going to sound like, you know, it's a joke. Or I'm, I'm, I'm making light of it. But this is a real thing. The other thing that you deal with, you're sitting there. I'm sitting there at the start of the game. Let's say we're playing, uh, you know, Chicago at that time. Or we're playing, you know, with Jordan. We're playing Reggie Miller in Indiana. We're playing Clyde Drexler in Houston. We're playing against Mitch Richmond in Sacramento. Like you name any of the great two guards that I played against in the league at that time. And, man, you're sitting there and they get cooking before you get in. You're like, oh, right. great, great. Like, <laughs> I got to go I gotta go in now. And Reggie Miller's lathered up, and he's got like 12 yeah. points. You're like, oh, this yeah. is tremendous. So that's the other component. You're kind of sitting there, and you know what your matchup is, right? And you're just like, right. oh, man, why did this guy have to get going? You know what I mean? Um, and so – but I say that somewhat jokingly because the other part of that was like, if a guy was hot, like, I got nothing to lose now. Like, if I go in there and I guard Jordan, even if it's really has nothing to do with my defense, the guy just misses a couple shots and I got a hand up. Well, guess what? I, I get standing ovation. I did my job, right? <laughs> you, what I, a guy like me would have to worry about, you come off the bench at the same time, their backup two guard comes off the bench, and yeah. that guy that guy tuned you up. Now, yeah. now you got a problem. Like you might not play for a couple <laughs> games. So 
like there's a lot that goes into it. I loved it. Yeah. I was super comfortable with it. Uh, it's the only time in my life I ever did it was at the NBA level. Um, and I knew I was going to be a reserve when I got to the league, obviously. So <laughs> you embrace it. The way you pre prepare in terms of how hard you go before the game, how much of a sweat you have to get going, the rhythm you have to be in when you know you're going to go down, sit down for six to nine minutes probably of game time, which is about 15 to 20 minutes of real time. And you're kind of sitting there. <laughs> it's a different energy level that you have to bring. And then the situation you're walking into dictates how you're going to play. Now, I will say this. I think that last part I just said has changed in the modern NBA. I watch guys every night come in, down 10, up 10. They're, they don't care. There's no regard for time or score. If you're paid to shoot and you get a crack yeah. of daylight, shoot yeah. the ball. Time and score have become, I think, less important because of the way the game is played. Shot selection with a lead from a role player, absolutely out the window. When I played, that was a thing. That mattered. You're up eight. You can't come in the game looking to hunt shots. If we're having success throwing the ball into the post, we're going to keep doing that, and you're going to wait till you get a clean look. Like that's the way the game was played and thought when I played. It's not like that anymore, Adam. It's like if you if you're if you're whoever you're Sam Merrill in Cleveland and you come in the game and you, you know you guys are up you guys are up uh, you know twenty two to seven you're still coming in and you're immediately hunting. It doesn't matter time and score like none of it. So until you get late in the game. So I think the mentality around that has changed. But look, make no mistake about it. It is a different mindset. It's a different set of circumstances you walk into, and you definitely have a different rhythms and a psychological process when you come off the bench. And Clay Thompson last night absolutely wrapped his arms around it, embraced it, and felt so comfortable and so free and was having so much fun, which I haven't seen Clay have a lot of this year. And legs, one of the reasons I don't mind spending 15 minutes on this very topic is that to me, it's such a compelling story. And I feel like as NBA media in particular, we tend to tell the story of the champion and the chase for the champion really well. We talk about legacies nonstop, way too much if we're being honest. But sports are so great because of these micro stories, the story of a guy who was great, who now has to evolve into something else. And I and the fact that he's kind of candidly walked us through that throughout the course of the year, really over the course of the last several seasons, but through the course of this year, talking about the different emotional experiences he's having. I just I, to me, I, I, I love it. And it's one of those small stories that make sports so compelling. And so I don't mind spending this time can I, on can it. I, can I just uh, finish this this, uh, this this topic real quick with this? Yeah. I want every youth player, and I was involved heavily, still am with my camps, but I mean, I coached for years, youth level, high level, elite level players, guys that played in the NBA through different camps, clinics. I coached those guys, and including my own AAU team, what I did. And, and I think every young player, male or female, should watch and listen to Clay Thompson's post-game press conference last night. Man. It was so like purposeful, thought-provoking, meaningful, heartfelt, what he had to do and to in order in order to make last night happen in terms of putting his team first, putting his pride to the side for a second, looking in the mirror and making a conscious decision of these two paths I can take. Because I I believe this, and I think it's a big part of just life in general happiness is a choice mindset is a choice 
Mm. Circumstances come our way all the time. It's not about circumstances because we all deal with it. It's what are you going to do with those circumstances? And you always have a choice mentally how you're going to at least try to handle it. Now, sometimes you're not successful at it because it's too difficult. I get that. But in this case for Clay, he walked you through kind of that process of what he was thinking about, the two ways he could go with this and, and realized this organization, my teammates, the game means too much to me. And so I, this is what is being asked of me. I need to go and be open-minded and positive about it. It's the only way this can succeed is if I am freely accepting this. And I just thought his words were beautiful for any athlete that, that, mm. and it might not be, obviously you're talking about a youth player. It's not, you're not at the end of your career. Maybe you're struggling with something right now or what your coach is asking you to do, what your teammates are asking you to do. And you think you're more than that. Well, in the moment, it's easy to kind of be so narcissistic that you're just wrapped up in your own concerns. That's not what Clay decided to do. He decided to put other things first, and as a result, he had the best game of the season. It's a great lesson. Sports, I, they really can teach you a lot about life, have you reflect a lot about life if you allow them to. I think they're second only to art in that way, and so I, I love that we spent a little bit of time on that, that very idea. Uh, any other thoughts on this? My only thought on this game was Draymond Green went three of five from the three-point line. Obviously yeah. not an every-night occurrence. But I think his threes are the most back-breaking in all of the NBA. Maybe Giannis's as well. But Draymond oh, no, Green, no, 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 he no. makes threes. I put Russell Westbrook first. Russell Westbrook okay. would be first. <laughs> Every time yeah. he rises up, I say, I say, why? Every single time he rises up. But, but when he yeah, hits I hear him, you. When he hits him, it's just like extra back-breaking because you're thinking like that's, <laughs> you know, that's Draymond Green. You're thinking that's the shot we want the Warriors to take. If yeah. we could force Draymond to take five threes, we won. But last night he goes three of five. The Warriors had this one in the bag. They kind of coughed it up down the stretch. But pretty, again, one of the weird things about the Klay Thompson situation, and we saw it a little bit last night, he comes off the bench. You don't have to, you know, he plays well, but he faded, right? He Most of his damage was done early. And then the question always comes, who do you close with? Who do you close with? And I thought even last night, that's just going to be an impossible battle for Steve Kerr because you're not just going with a set rotation. You have options. You try to ride the hot hand. Clay was not the hot hand last night. He was early. He was scorching hot, but at the end he wasn't. And then where do you go? Kerr made his decision. They almost lost the lead, but they ended up pulling it out anyway. I think that what it comes down to with Clay is this, you know, there was a time, regardless of how his night went, he was clearly on the game at the end because of who he was, yeah, his profile. Exactly. And also, by the way, on nights he wasn't feeling it, he could still at any moment combust and yeah. string together shots. And oh, by the way, also was a first team, all league caliber defender. So even if he wasn't making shots, well, he's not quite that level defensively now. So if you're Steve Kerr, number one, you've been watching this now for two thirds of a season. And you can kind of get a feel for the fact that he just isn't in that kind of rhythm at all offensively. So you have less faith that he's going to string together shots on a night. Maybe he's three for 14. Like you're less, you're less confident that that could happen now. Okay. And when you combine it with the fact he's just, uh, you know, he's just not quite that caliber defender anymore where he's really impacting, you know, elite level point guards and wings the way that he used to. You add that up, and I think it makes it now this door's open to not have him out there at the end of the game. And that's going to be something that's a work in progress night by night, what they decide to do. And, and I, tr I trust Steve Kerr to make those decisions. He knows these guys better than anybody, uh, particularly yeah. after – coaching Clay this many years and, and, and really more meaningfully coaching him this season and watching what he's going through. You kind of know 
what he's about to give me in the fourth quarter of this game. And right. so I'm going to trust Steve Kerr in those situations. And hopefully anybody that it is, and it could be Draymond one night, you know, it'll never be Steph. He's about the only guy, the rest of those guys, it's possible. Yeah. They can find themselves not out there. And all of them have to collectively understand you got to accept it, man. It's for the good of the team. That's what this sport yeah. is about. And, yeah. and let's go. Maybe tomorrow night will be my night. That's the way they have to approach it. Let's take a break. On the other side, we'll get into the Milwaukee Bucks falling apart last night against the Memphis Grizzlies, a really atrocious loss heading into the All-Star break and a bit of a trend for them. We're also going to get to the All-Star weekend and get Tim Legler's all-time three-point competition. Excited for that. One other thing that happened, though, just real quick to put a bow on this last segment, is that the Jazz are basically eliminated with that game, four games behind the, the Warriors. So I doubt they have a shot at the playoffs, a realistic one. But first, let's get to our break here. The NBA is in full swing, and we can't get enough of the action. We hop on to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers can bet $5 instantly and get 200 in bonus bets, whether they win or lose. You can bet on this weekend's events, the dunk contest. You can bet on the three-point competition, who you think is going to win. We're going to find out who Legs thinks is going to win. Maybe you... Put a little bet down on that one based on what he tells you. Uh, so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code ALLNBA. New customers get $5 whenever they bet 200 instantly, whether you win or lose, with code ALLNBA. The crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 878-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and older age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash basketball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Also want to tell you about the Game Time app. If you're looking for tickets to an event this weekend, maybe it's a hockey game since basketball's off, or maybe you're looking for concerts coming up in spring right around the corner. Daylight Savings is like... 20 days away. I can't wait. One of my favorite days of the year. Then events start to really happen. Uh, if you're looking for a concert or an event near you, hop on the Game Time app and also use that promo code ALLNBA. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code ALLNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create that code and or create an account and use that code ALLNBA for $20 off. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Legs, what happened last night? to the Milwaukee Bucks, that they fall to the Memphis Grizzlies, the lowly Memphis Grizzlies, heading into the All-Star break. Is this an example of, of, as Doc Rivers says, the team's mind was in Cabo, so we had some guys that were in Cabo a little early, or was it something else? I felt like I felt like that's an easy out, and I, I just I didn't agree with it. Um, it's easy to, easy to say that, right, when, when yeah. a team doesn't play well. And look, I'm not going to say there weren't mental mistakes or there were some effort plays, and I'm going to get into a couple of those in a second, that hurt them. But that that wasn't about that. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you this: being on as a guy that approached All Star Weekend, and I participated in it a couple times, so I my I didn't get that break, and it was a shorter break, by the way, than they get now. They get a full week off. It's legitimately an in season vacation for some guys that aren't right. going and participating. Right. The other years that I wasn't though, when that last game before the break, it, it gave you you had an adrenaline in you to play that night. Because you were excited about getting a few days off because guys sacrifice so much during the course of the season with time away from their families or whoever it yeah. may be, right? Their significant others, whatever it may be. And now you like it's it's like this is like a reward at that time of the year to, to freshen up for this push at the end of the season. And you would have an adrenaline. Like the teams, I was like, you played hard that night. 
because you were like super excited like you were going to leave and no practice tomorrow no film no nothing see you guys on you know whatever monday tuesday after the game and so i don't know that i buy into it here's what i see with this team i must start with a big statement right here um and this isn't putting it all on him but it's a major problem because we've been alluding adam all year to the difference between Drew Holiday and Damian Lillard defensively. Yeah, like, yeah. That's a significant change. I'm going to take it a step further. Okay. Damian Lillard's got to play harder. He's got to play harder. And I can point to specific examples last night of stuff that, and I watched the entire second half twice to look at different examples where he's just falling asleep on a weak side cut. There was a play where he's jogging back in transition, literally jogging next to Zaire Williams, who then just decides, well, if you're not going to run, I'll run. He just sprints from half court to the rim. They throw a lob dunk, an important time in the game. And that's 100% Damian Lillard's responsibility. He had a couple plays where he just kind of broke down, turns, like stared at the ball, and loses sight of what's going on and where his man just defensive principles. So it's one thing to say he's not as good a defender. That's not what I'm talking about. There's no reason. A guy this good offensively can't be better than he is defensively. He just has never been forced to do it because everything about what he did in Portland focused on carrying the load offensively. That's all you cared about. He doesn't have to carry the load to that extent with this team. He's got Giannis. So that means you play 35 minutes. Hey, maybe if I'm Doc Rivers, I'm talking to Damian Lillard, maybe 30 minutes is your good number if you can play harder. Maybe we don't need you out there for 35 to 38 minutes right. if you're going to conserve energy defensively. Right. Because we understand you're not a stopper. You're not a lockdown guy. You're not going to fight over a bunch of screens. I get it. We got other guys to do that, and that's not who you are. That doesn't mean you can't do the things I'm talking about. Sprint back and transition. That you can't be in proper help recover position to not give up an easy catch and shoot three because you just you know drifted too far from your man and didn't really bust it to get back out there. Like there are things you could do. Now, look, he took a charge late in the game, down three, inside of whatever. He, he's the one that took the charge to set up the last possession when they're down three. Give him credit. He slid over. He got in front of a driver, and he took a charge. So, you know, he can make plays. He just needs to be better most of the game with effort stuff to help them. I thought that was a big factor in the game last night. I really did. And, and look, they've got offensive – issues and how they closed the game and that last possession was an absolute disaster i can't stand this double screen set that they're running that far out at half court when Giannis and lopez are practically touching hands and it's so crowded lillard can't even do anything with it and they were trying to do it in the last possession and he got all tangled up with lopez and loses the ball they don't even get a shot off really so they, they've got a lot to clean up adam there's no question but look here's what i'll say last thing before i let you go did we all think I, did you see anywhere before the season any person that does what we do for a living not think the Milwaukee Bucks were in the top two in the Eastern Conference? Right. Yeah. Did you? No. Everybody. Everybody. It was consensus. So and so so with this roster, right? Right. What changes have, have they made to the roster? None. This is the roster. So so let's 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 you know let's chill here about like oh they don't have this they don't have that it's the same team on paper. It's going to require squeezing the juice. That extra 10, 15%, I always talk about, how do you get it out of them? Is Doc Rivers the guy or not? I don't know yet. It's too early. But they got stuff to clean up with effort and, and the way they execute down the stretch. And I still don't think Giannis and Lillard have worked out a real good flow together. It doesn't feel 
like smooth at all what they're doing. They're both capable of having monster nights. That's not that's not going to win you enough games. It's got to be together how we're operating and the way we're maximizing putting pressure on defenses. They haven't figured that out yet. That's what Doc needs to clean up, and he needs to clean up the effort stuff by looking at film and say, this isn't good enough. And whoever that may be, call them all out. Whoever it is at the time, Jay Crowder had a play last night. He's at the top of the key. Three-pointer taken from the wing. He is clearly the first guy back because he's at the top of the key. And he just starts walking backwards, and they just throw the ball over his head for a breakaway layup as somebody streaks the, streaks the court. Like 100% your responsibility. Just, just ignored it. Like stuff like that's got to be cleaned up. That's what Doc Rivers has to do. Make guys accountable, and nothing tells you that more than film. So they got a lot to clean up. But the roster is still good enough to compete in the East and contend in the East. I see a parallel or some similarities at least between what we just talked about with Clay Thompson and what we're talking about with Damian Lillard right now. And what I mean by that is Lillard has always been in a situation in his career where the number one, two, and three thing that is needed from him is scoring. And I think that while the team still needs his scoring, they need his defense, I think, a lot a lot more than what he typically is able to give. And I think they can survive. His offense needs to be clutch. His offense needs to be timely. He needs to put pressure on them. But they have Giannis. They have Middleton. They have guys that can put points on the board. And I just wonder, there's a, an element of can you – uh, teach an old dog new tricks. This is the same thing for Clay Thompson, right? Like, how do we get what you're good at and what you've always done and what your mentality has always been? How do we change that slightly for a new role? But I think there's something for Dame there too. I agree with you, and I agreed with you uh, with that take before he got traded, where I've always watched him, including in playoffs, and thought that's a guy that is not committed to defense because he doesn't need to be or doesn't feel like he needs to be. And I watch him now in Milwaukee, and I think he's at a different spot stage in his career he's not shooting the ball as well as he used to maybe he'll get that back but this team can score with or without him going off but they can't get stops without him making an impact and that to me is it's it sounds reductive but I actually think it's a major question about whether or not Damian Lillard not not just can he do it but can he mentally evolve yeah. to be a player that is focused on that night in and night out there's no question about it and it's like I said man sometimes that means a sacrifice in minutes like, like, can you go harder if you play a little bit less? Can you, yeah. can you give me that? If you know you're going to be out there for 35 to 38 minutes and we need you fresh at the end of the game offensively, this is what you always played and always thought, then you're going to take off X amount of plays in the game defensively. Yeah. We're just going to coast and cruise. And it, it, it sets the tone for our team because of the position, the nature of the position. Guys are coming at you constantly, whether you're guarding the one or the two in this league. You're either guarding a super quick, high-level scoring point guard a, a a a good capable scoring two guard with size or even a spot up shooter that's deadly that you've got to help and recover out to any way you slice it it's going to require more effort than you're giving that's that's what it comes down to and if that means instead of playing 35 36 minutes you play 30 at, at maximum effort or 28 some nights if that's what it takes yeah. if that's what you do let's do it now look the shooting is one thing it's a, it's a second lowest field goal percentage of his career. It's the second lowest three-point percentage of his career. Um, right. Those, I don't think, are going to – those are anomalies. I don't think that's because he's losing something. He's getting older. I think that's being not completely comfortable Comfort, with yep. exactly what he's doing offensively because yep. he. this is the first time in his life he is not, like you said, the top of the food chain. He's playing for the first time probably since he was five with right. a better player than he is on his own team. Right. That's different. 
that's a different vibe that you have as a player. There's just that little bit of thought process or deferential thought process that he never had. He wasn't deferring to anybody. You guys pick up the crumbs when I'm done. That was the mentality in Portland. So you're always in this constant flowing rhythm. This is different. And I don't think he's, and I'm not saying that like he's not trying to do the right thing because he is. I'm just saying it's a different vibe mentally for a player in this situation than what he had in Portland. And that they clearly haven't quite gotten there yet because of his shooting numbers reflect that. The quality of the shots aren't as good. And and just like what he's thinking about probably is different. So I think Lillard to me, if I look at this team, Damian Lillard is the biggest reason that we're having doubts about them. It's mm. he's not been as good offensively as you expected, yeah. and, except for certain times. And he's defensively needs to give us more because it's required yeah. here for us yeah. to win a championship. You weren't really on championship caliber teams in Portland. This is. We're expecting yeah. to win here. Giannis is expecting to win. We brought in Doc Rivers because we want to win now. He's got to give them more. And I, I can they have that honest conversation with him? That's what I want to know. Can Doc Rivers it, have that conversation? Yeah. Do you think he will? It's a great question. And it's a great storyline. Again, these things all sound negative, you know, like, but, but the truth is you're laying the groundwork for the storyline that is going to follow them from now until the, the end of the season, the end of the playoffs. And it's a good story. It's an interesting one. I, if I'm feeling particularly hot takey, I would say that I don't think the Bucks need Dame to have his best offensive playoffs that he's ever had. Because he's had some crazy great playoff runs offensively. 55 points in a game. Yeah. What he did to Oklahoma City with the game winners and all the clutch shots. He's had some big time offensive performances. They probably need 90 to 95%. He has to be good. He can't be bad offensively. But I would say that they need the best defensive playoff run that he's ever had if they're going to win. I don't think he is, he's ever had a defensive playoffs to the level that they're going to need in Milwaukee for them to get over the hump. And it'll be interesting to watch. It's a good storyline. Let's um let's move to All-Star Weekend. Uh, I want to ask you first, because I do think that All-Star Weekend pro seems to lose its novelty to certain guys. Not to everyone, but to certain guys. And you, as a person who has participated in All-Star Weekend, and somebody who has also not participated, which one is better personally? Was there a time when you were like, you know what? I just want the vacation. I want the five days off. That's I, You need it and, and it's helpful. Or is it better to be a part of the big show and, and everything? As a player, and particularly you know, the extent to which I was going to be included, obviously it wasn't going to play in the All-Star game. So right. I, my, my, the extent to which I was going to be included was participating in the three-point shootout. And I, I, you know, I thought I was the best shooter in the world. Every shooter thinks that. So I wanted to be part of it. So when I played, it was, you wanted to be there. And I remember you know, that first year, 95, 96, at the, I was leading the league in three-point shooting. I was pretty sure I was going to be included, but I don't know that until you get official notice from the league. And the way it worked at the time was they had a formula. It was top three made. It made threes at that point. Whatever the cutoff date was, it was like somewhere in, in mid-January. Top three guys in made threes, top three guys in percentage. Last year's winner got an exemption, and then right. they always yeah. had a wild card, right, for some some big name or veteran guy that, yeah. that, that they were going to include. I think the year one year I did it was like Dale Ellis they decided to include in it, right? So that was the formula, and I was leading the league in three-point shooters. I figured I'm going to be included, but when I got the news, like – for someone that prided myself in like what I did to get that news. And I knew I was going there to San Antonio to compete in this competition with, and everybody go ahead, man, lay claim. Who's the best shooter in the world right now. I couldn't wait. And every year I did it the next year is only two years. I did it. 
but I always wish I could have done it more. So as a player, I wanted to be there participating. I love that. As an analyst, I loved, I went to like 15 years in a row when I first started doing this for a living and I haven't been going here lately. And I, I kind of like the break now, Adam, I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of <laughs> like, I kind of, especially now that it's longer, it's even longer. Like you get off until the following like Thursday before they start playing right. games. We yeah. used to play on Tuesday. Like that was the first games, like right after the, as I remember when I won it, uh, my team, Washington, they were, they were in Chicago. They flew to Chicago on, on Monday because we played the Bulls on Tuesday. That was my first game after the break. And I still remember, like, walking in the gym. It was at some college in Chicago. We were having practice, and I walked in the gym. And, like, the reception I got from my team and from my coaching staff and everything because I had won the competition was a feeling I will never forget in my life, as well as Jawan Howard, my teammate, played in his only All-Star game that year. And there's great video of Jawan Howard as I'm – as I'm wrapping up my final round and I'm putting up a big number and Dennis Scott still had to go, but it was a big number. He's going to have to catch Johan Howard is standing there asking for money from Reggie Miller and guys, because I guess he bet on me. He's like, give me my money. Give me my money. And like, that's incredible. It's, it's, it's this great cutaway clip of my teammate, like there, like winning money, like betting people that I was going to win this competition. Cause he saw me every day. But I remember the reception I got when I walked in the gym to, to, to meet up with my team the following day it was pretty incredible. Yeah. That's that's an awesome story, man. I love that one. And I also love that you like to participate in it, Legs, because I do feel a changing sense in dynamic there. My my complaint, I have a lot of complaints about the NBA and they're all the same. It's the idea of what is owed to the fans. What what do what is the oh, yeah. team, yeah, the yeah. ownership and the players owe? And I do get the sense, I mean, we even saw it last year with a lot of guys saying like, yeah, it's lost its luster. If they paid us for the All-Star game, maybe we would care a little bit more. And I always think there's one thing you just owe the fans. And this thing used to be, it was invented. The All-Star game was invented as a, hey, yeah. let's grow the popularity of the game and let's give the fans some a little show. Let's just go out there. And now nobody does the dunk contest. You know, nobody, people don't really seem to, they don't try in the games. And I like this idea for you. You were like, no, it's competition still. I want out there. I want on the court because I want to, I pride myself in it. And I just think that there's something missing, not from all players, to be clear, but from a, a critical mass that it definitely gets the sense of that. That yeah, being said, look, I, and, I, and I'll say, I'll say this to, and I agree with you hundred percent, by the way. And it's a shame that, that guys don't like take that responsibility a little bit more seriously. I, I agree with you. I will say this, though, look, you're talking about three rounds when I did it. That's one minute each. Yeah. Not super. You're not really exerting yourself much. Uh, I didn't have because I wasn't in the All Star game. It wasn't an. I what you didn't have the demands on your time over the course of the weekend that that's the All Stars do. Okay, so that's yeah. part of it. I was going there, hanging out on Thursday night, hanging out on Friday night, doing the competition on Saturday night for three minutes, you know, and then Sunday just going to the game and watching the game. And so it was a little different for me. Um, I think you know it, it, the dunk contest guys. I think part of it, honestly, I think. There were part of it could be you could embarrass yourself, like you could embarrass yourself missing a bunch of dunks and like losing. Right, that's possible. You're also exerting a lot of energy doing that. You're exerting a lot of energy playing in the game, and that now has become, as we know, that's not real basketball. Whatever that is, that that's what they decided we're going to do, and that's what it's going to look like. I agree. I think it was a little bit, a little bit more a sense of I owe it to the fans. I want to give this to them. Right. Probably in my era, a little bit more than now. I agree with that. Um, let's, uh, move now to some of the events here and I'm going to start with the skills challenge and we can go quickly here. Yeah. This is an event to me that I don't understand. 
I've never enjoyed the skills challenge. I've always felt like it was an idea that was just, they were like, we want another, we have the dunk contest, we have three point, let's do a skills challenge, but it's never made sense. Are you, do you have a take on the skills challenge? Do we need to spend time on it? No, we don't, we don't. Okay. It's, it's, right. yeah, it's, you know, it's, I think what it ultimately was, you, they tried, league's best effort, they tried to come up with a set of things that only NBA players can do at that level and people are going to be awed by, and it includes more people for the weekend. Like you get more players potentially, because you have, you have actually gotten some star players to do that. And I didn't even look, right. I, who's in it? You have a list of that? I'm curious. Like, do you know who's in the skills competition this year? Because I, I just had it. I, I just had it and then I deleted it because I was, because I'm also okay, just no, not no, interested. Don't pull it up. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't waste time on it. I, but, I, I'll have it right now. I'll tell you real quick. There's a Pacers team. star players to do that. So I think that's also part yeah. of it. Like, it's a way to get more people included to, for people yeah. to get eyeballs on. And I think that's why they yeah. came up with it. Let's go, though, to the ones that we really care about. And I'm going to start with the slam dunk. We're going to go in reverse order because I think the three-point competition is the competition in today's NBA. So we'll instead go to the slam dunk competition. Jalen Brown, Jaime Jaquez Jr., that's the headliners. Mac McClung, who's the reigning champ, and then Jacob Toppin, who is the brother of Obi Toppin. So you get two – I mean, the last couple of years we've had, you know, G League guys and different guys. So that's the Toppin and the McClung picks. But I actually really appreciate that Jaime Jaquez and Jalen Brown threw their hat in the ring. Not the guys I would have picked. Good dunkers. Maybe not necessarily great dunkers, but very good ones. But I'm just glad because I'm glad that we don't have to watch Toppin, McClung, and two other G League guys go at the uh, dunk contest this year. The only thing, or listen, the only thing I agree with a lot of what you said, the only thing I'll disagree with is this. I thought Mac McClung was spectacular last year. Sure. So there's two ways, there's two ways to look at it. Clearly, you want big names to deliver spectacular dunks, right? That's the best yeah. of both worlds. That's back in the day. That ship sailed a long time ago. Didn't the next to. best the next best thing is to have whoever it is whether you're familiar with them or not do some dunks that are really kind of mind-blowing and i thought mac mcclung delivered on that yeah. last year so i'm looking forward to seeing him again can uh, you imagine Hockey, though, real quick Hockey. hold up legs can you imagine if you got made it to the three-point competition back in your era and you're going up against dave hopla you know, like the, the shooting guru, Dave Hopla. And instead of going against all the greats of your area, you have to go up against some, you know, a, a show. Yeah, listen, it could be, honestly, it could be nerve wracking because you could be like, you could be thinking <laughs> if that were the case and I walk yeah. into the locker room that night, you know, and I'm getting dressed and getting in and, they, and you're thinking about going out there and warming up for this competition. You look over and there's like six guys you don't know. And you're thinking like, wait, what, what don't I know about these people? Like what, what's about to happen out here? So I hear you. Um, but look, here's the thing. I think Jalen Brown's probably got some nasty stuff. And yeah. the best thing that could happen would be if Jalen Brown, who is an all-star in his own right, wins this thing and not given to him. Not given to him. And like right. Mac McClung yep. is better. And but they it. give it yep. to Jalen Brown. Like, no, I'm talking about like earns it. Like does some stuff that's freaky, like really nasty stuff. And I think he's capable. And he's also a player on that level. And he wins it. Maybe that could encourage next year, you know, a couple more of those guys to want to get in on that level. I think Jaime Hakez, to me, how do you say no? You're a rookie, man. Yeah, go do it. Do it all. You don't know if you'll ever participate yeah. in All-Star Weekend besides yeah. the Rising Star Challenge and that. Actually, I saw some clips of him from, from college or high school doing a dunk competition, and he was surprisingly good. Like, I don't picture don't him do a dunk. It, man. Man. Some good ones. And then who's the other one? Jacob Toppin. I know, I know nothing yeah, about what the, he's going to do. My bet, my bet is – my bet is – it's going to be close between McClung and Jalen Brown. Okay. 
I, I think my gut is going to tell me, buddy, when it's all over, that Matt McClung was a little bit better, but Jalen Brown's going to win it. I hope you're right. Here's how I would fix the dunk contest. I had this idea last night. Um, I would, instead of giving a trophy or whatever, they should get like a wrestling belt. And then the winner, if I was Jalen Brown, I, he could personally save the dunk contest. You get the belt and you walk right over to Anthony Edwards and you call him out and say, hey, man, you scared to go up against me next year in the dunk contest? You walk over to Zion Williamson and you say, hey, man, everybody thinks you're one of the best dunkers, but you're afraid to step on the court. I, you're saying no WWE style. WWE, WWE style. Yep. WWE, throw the Take belt the over your shoulder. Call dudes out. Right. Okay. Yeah, call <laughs> dudes out, man. Because here's the thing. I think guys are, are scared to lose and that become part of their legacy. But the truth is, and so nobody will call each other out. Nobody will put the, put, stick their neck out. But the truth is we don't care who wins. We just want to show nobody. Yeah. Like, even if you think historically about Dominique and Jordan and stuff like historically, if you ask me, I know they both won. I couldn't tell you the head to head record. I don't remember that. I just remember they participated and it was great and it was entertainment. And I think that's the thing is I hope Jalen Brown wins and I hope he walks over and grabs the mic and he looks at Anthony Edwards and tells him, you're too afraid to come out here no, and try uh, to take this from me next year. I like, first of all, I, I, I love the whole thought behind it. I don't know if Jalen Brown's got that temperament. I loved, would love that idea. Right. And, and, and more, and more as if, Rather than maybe even calling out an individual guy, but, but literally just taking the mic and saying, hey, man, hey, I, I'm playing in the game it. tomorrow too. Yeah. And I came out here and did this, and I hope next year, man, some more guys join me. That, yeah. That's all. That's all. Make it, yeah. a, make it a blanket statement. I don't know that it'll affect anything. I mean, the fact that we're here at the end of LeBron James' career here in the next year, and he never did it. Never did it. Never, never participated it. in it. It's, it's, it's sad for the fans because that's what every – probably the first decade of his career – Every and I think the All Star Game is for kids. I think it's for kids more right, than anybody yeah, yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah I they're, think the, they're right. the ones. They're the ones that enjoy all the dunks and the, and the, the threes and the All Star Game and all that. They don't care as much about the defense not being played. They don't care about that. They just yeah. want to see these guys and see them on the court together, connecting yeah. on an alley oop. They never play together, right? So if, if that's the case, then I think the first decade kids wanted to see LeBron out there, and, and then they kind of just gave up on it because it was obvious he wasn't going to do it. Everybody thinks of Aaron Gordon as an all-time dunk contest dunker. He never won. And nobody like we'll forget that in a few years that Aaron Gordon never won. We'll just remember, oh yeah, those two years he participated were unbelievable. All right, let's get to the star of the show um for All-Star Weekend. I wish they would move this to last and make it the last event. The three-point competition. We're in a three-point era league, and so the three-point shot has become the marquee event. Let's take a look at the field. Emma, I think you have that graphic queued up here. Malik Beasley, really good shooter. Jalen Brunson, Tyrese Halliburton, unconventional great shooter. Damian Lillard can get as hot as anyone. Trey Young, Carl Anthony Towns, Donovan Mitchell, Larry Markinen. What do you think of this field? Before you get into your pick, what do you think of this field of shooters, Legs? That's solid. It's solid. And I mean, I don't, it's not like a list of the eight purest shooters in the league. Right. Um, but I think they're trying to strike the combination of marquee name caliber player that you are in addition to having you know some three-point capabilities because you know i can make a list of eight flat out perfect stroke pure shooters that are in yeah. the league right now that probably could put on a better show in terms of wow us with your accuracy because that's what yeah. people expect to see from the best people best on the planet i think this is this is a good list a solid list like there's nobody on there that i go oh my god how is he in the competition which has happened in years past so All i think right. it's solid it's solid and there there are probably a couple of guys on there that i would say definitely have the advantage 
There, there's so many shooters in the NBA today that it actually is kind of hard to call it down right. to just eight guys. But all right, so real quick, give me who you is there one or two guys if you had to pick one or two that are not on the list? Not Steph Curry. We know Steph Curry, but other guys that you wish were in it this year. It's almost insane to me that you can have a shooting competition, any shooting competition, without Duncan Robinson in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Guy's got the purest stroke in the league. I mean, yeah. it, it is picture perfect mechanics and yeah. i'm i'm sure he's been in it i don't know how the list of I, he, he's had to have participated in it at some point um i don't think he's won it I think, but i think so how how does how is you know how's duncan robinson he'd be the guy probably at the top of the list yeah. if there's a shooting competition and he's in the league and he's not in it then something something's gone wrong something's gone wrong yeah. and um and he's having a good year for miami too it's not like it's not like he's on the bench like he, you know they they went away from him when they had max Struess. he wasn't playing anymore that wouldn't make a lot of sense but he's getting up a lot of attempts every night, and he's having a really good year. Seems yeah. like Duncan Robinson should be in it. Now, again, look, also, we don't know. Sometimes guys say no. So we right. don't know if other invitations went out and some guys declined it you yeah. know, to get yeah. with this final eight because that does happen. Some guys say, right. I'll pass. I'd rather yeah. have the time off or like whatever. I've done it before. No big deal. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, real quick, bring it back up, Emma. Just give us your quick pick. If you were handicapping this, who would be your pick that you think will win it? All right, I think my my pick to win the whole thing would either be Lillard, yeah, or Trey Young. Okay, with Carl Anthony Towns as the wild card, and he has won it by the way. It's that rare yeah. big guy that won it. Carl Anthony Towns won it a couple of years ago. Lillard is last year's champions, and so clearly he's comfortable with the competition in the format because it's a little bit different if you've never done it. Um, he's comfortable with it, obviously. So you have to consider him a favorite. Um, I think Markinen, honestly, I think because of like his stroke is kind of a little bit longer motion and slower. I think yeah. that's not conducive to the competition. I think Donovan Mitchell jumps too high. Yep. Uh, when you jump that high on every shot, you're going to either get gassed or you're going to run out of time. Because and Towns doesn't jump at all. It's, it's an advantage for him that he's not using any jump energy. 100%. Uh, Brunson, you know, I just don't, I, and maybe I, sh I just, it's so weird. I feel like if you put, and a live defender on these guys for these shots, then I think say Brunson wins the whole yeah. thing. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? But like, I don't picture him as like this pure shooter. But but he's such a gamer, and he rises yeah. to the occasion. Hell, maybe it's Jalen Brunson that walks away with this thing. And of course, everybody's going to be probably you know pulling for Halliburton because it's uh, his home crowd. Hometown. Yeah, I think you're right about that. All right, to get us out of here, we got two more segments. The first one, both of them presented by DraftKings, but our first one. I wanted to ask you if you could pick an all-time, all-time three-point competition. This would be the greatest one ever. You get all the best shooters together for this competition. Who would it be? And you came well, up with a list here. And clearly, I'm starting with myself. Let's so go. I'm going to be in said competition. Okay. I'm a I'm a former I'm a former winner. And Adam, actually, and they don't do this anymore because the format has changed. Actually, even yeah. the points you can score are higher now. You can get 40 right. points in a yeah. round. When I did right. it, the max was 30. It was three rounds. But I'm pretty proud. When I did it, the year I did it, I, that was the record at the time for a three-round total was what yeah. I did that night in San Antonio. And I made 13 out of 15 money balls that night, which helped me win it. So, yeah, I, I, I think I'm, I'm in it for sure. Uh, next up, Steph Curry, greatest shooter of all time. Again, like I said a second ago, if you have a shooting competition now, Robinson's not in it. If you have any shooting competition ever historically – Steph Curry's not in it. Something went a foul. It's the greatest shooter oh. of all time. I, I'd like to beat him if I could. I'd like to go up ahead to head with Steph Curry. 
Steph to me is the funniest of all these because he's just so clearly the greatest shooter, in my opinion, so clearly the greatest shooter to ever exist. So it's the easy, anytime you do these shooting competitions, you just feel like Steph is the favorite and just yeah. from the get go. No doubt. So, so that's, and these are so far former winners. I won it. Steph won it twice. I believe next yeah. Clay Thompson, another former winner beats Steph in this competition actually. And I don't care yeah. what he's going through now. I mean, right. it's, I, in my opinion, those are the two greatest shooters of all time. We always say, like, po arguably, possibly. Right. We know that about Steph. We remove the word for Steph, possibly or arguably. But when we pair them together, we still say possibly and arguably. And I don't, it's not for me. I think that's one and two. One and two right there. You're looking at them. So I, I got to have Clay Thompson in there as well. Yeah, I like it. Who's next? Next up, my uh, all-time icon, Larry Bird, um, who was a three-time winner, three consecutive times, and as famously yeah. – has famous stuff around that game. You're going in the locker room saying who's playing for second yeah. and then holding his finger up, walking away as the ball's in the air, right? It's just <laughs> uh, you know, iconic stuff. So, and he, I say this all the time. He changed the course of my life. I was a baseball player until Larry Bird got to the NBA and I decided I wanted to kind of be Larry Bird. That's what I wanted to be. Um, so oh. Bird's got to be in there and just, you know, beat a guy like that, that you, that you idolize. You got to put so it next. We look at this, hold up, hold up, real quick. We look at this: Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, the two best shooters of all time. But I feel like of the guys that are on the list, Larry Bird may be the best competitor. So that's part of why yeah. I like it. Obviously, a great shooter, but I feel yeah. like he's going to shoot 10, 15 percent better in this theoretical competition you're putting together. Oh, he has. Yeah, he. I completely agree. The rare ability to hone in to such a laser degree when their situation required it. Right. That's, that's right. what we're talking about with Larry Bird. That's why I love the guy so much. Um, yeah. It was just that aura that he had of yeah. confidence that, that everything was going to turn out well, if Larry Bird was involved. So uh, to go up against them would be, you know, a thrill. Uh, Ray Allen would be the next guy. You know, I think for a, for a long stretch in the NBA prior to Steph Curry's arrival, I thought this was the best shooter I'd ever seen. Ray Allen, the short, the stroke, so short, yeah. compact, like so perfect off the dribble, off the catch, off the move. He could do it all three ways. Um, you got to put Ray Allen there. Also, by the way, former winner. So, so far, yeah. the all first five winners. guys, all winners. These next two yeah. never won, never won it. I don't even know if they yeah. were in it. Uh, Chris Mullen. Okay. I'd have to put in there, man. Like, and this Tell was a former teammate, former teammate, a friend. Um, you know, played with him in Golden State. I thought I was a guy that was obsessively working at my craft until I played in Golden State with Chris Mullen, and I saw that what he was doing before and after practice. It completely changed my thought process about what you really need to be doing. So, and it's it's just absolutely picture perfect, beautiful. Again, short, compact stroke, dream team player. Come on, man, you got to. But he never, he doesn't have a title. I looked it up. I don't know if he ever participated, but he never won mm -hmm. it. I know that. Um, next number seven, Reggie Miller, Reggie's got to be in there. Obviously iconic with all the number of made threes. And again, the pressure component with Reggie, I just think it would have been fun. Cause you know, he would have been talking the whole time and to get a chance to like, shut him up. Like that would have been fun. Right. Cause Reggie was going to yeah. be talking while he was shooting like another so, intimidator. Yeah. Another one of those guys going to get in your head, get you off your game at the exact time that he is thriving in that environment. He loved being yeah. hated. He loved the pressure of the moment. Um, he rose to the occasion. And then finally, this one Steve Kerr. Me. Steve Kerr. And I'll tell, I'll tell you why. Okay. Steve Kerr and I came out the same year. Steve Kerr and I, uh, you know, we competed at some of the pre-draft camps. I think, I don't know if he was a Portsmouth Invitational. We both were Chicago pre-draft camp. 
got to know him then and kind of known him ever since and played in the league at the same time. You know, he won a lot of rings. I unfortunately did not. I was always envious of that, you know. Um, and then we paired up head-to-head -head in the competition. 1996, I got the best of him. I came back the next year to challenge him, defend my title, got to the finals against him, and Steve Kerr beat me. So I would That's look awesome. at it like this. He's got to be included because this is the rubber match. <laughs> let's settle. Let's settle this. Let's settle this once and for all. We can't walk away with one title each. Um, we got to. Oh. We got to. We got to go for it. So that list has nine winners, like nine season, yeah. not, you know, All Star Game weekend winners. Nine of those yeah. trophies were hoisted amongst that group, uh, with only Reggie and Chris Mullen not getting it. But I think that's a pretty good group. Anybody, real quick, anybody that you think I left off that you thought might have yeah. made it on that list. I have a couple, but I have to first say, Emma, bring that back up. Because what I love about legs is in his own sports fantasy, Steph Curry, Larry Bird, Reggie Miller, these guys are just extras in the rubber match between him and Steve Kerr. Those those guys are window oh, dressing to the that, real That's company. why, hey, listen, that's why it's 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 in that order. It's myself on one end. We're the bookends. Everything else in the middle is just eye candy, man. It's, it's really about me and Kerr and some unfinished business. I love it. Uh, so the snubs list. Yes, let's get to the snubs list. No Dirk. <laughs> the all snubby list. The all snubs. The all snubs. No Dirk. Um, yeah, he I, was he was considered. He was considered. Yeah. Uh, I actually I, had two other guys, two other guys, and I ended up changing it to Reggie Miller and Steve Kerr at the end. Okay. And they were Kevin Durant. Yeah. Because I just, you know, right. I don't know. He's something he's, people think him more of a scorer, but he's a pure shooter. And yeah. Kyle Corver was another consideration. Yep. yep. So Corver's on my list. Dirt, KD, Damian Lillard. You know, he Dame I put on there just because I don't know if he's an all-time great shooter, but he certainly gets hot. I think he's an all-time gets hot guy. And that's what you kind of need in, in here. Peja, for sure. Peja, uh, Steve he wanted, Nash. Uh, he, and he won it a couple times. Yeah. Uh, and then I had JJ Redick, your your podcast uh, yeah. partner. JJ yeah. Redick's snub from the list. And then J.R. Smith who's another like Damian Lillard, maybe not an all-time great shooter, but an all-time, like if he makes his first four, he's making the next four too. And then Mark Price. I put Mark Price on the list too, just because I know, you know, some of the numbers there, but. They're good that names, was my man. Jeff, hey, Jeff, Jeff Hornacek won it a couple times. Craig Hodges won it three times, yeah. including the one famous year when he wasn't even in the league, but they, he was defending his title. So he came back and you know, we were, we would all wear warm-up jackets. He wore just a starter jacket that said NBA on it because he wasn't even on a team. And he came yeah. back and he defended his title and he won it again. So Craig Hodge, and he, by the way, I think he still might have the record, 19 consecutive makes in the competition. 19, man, in the competition, in the bright lights. Yeah. That's crazy. Our last segment, every week we get out of here on our Friday with asking who won the week, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Legs, I've got four nominees for you, as all always. Right. First one is going to be the Dallas Mavericks, who were so good legs that we talked about them twice this week. We tried to spread the level around, but the Mavs were so good that we talked about them beating the Thunder. They beat the Spurs. They beat the Wizards by a combined 66 points to go 3-0. Three blowout wins. Very impressive from them. We've got the Timberwolves, who went 3-0 with wins over the Clippers and the Blazers. That win in Los Angeles over the Clippers, very impressive, by the way, a beatdown. We have Steph Curry, who had a game winner against the Suns last week. Uh, you know, in the, within the last week, he had 41 against the Clippers, and he made 27 threes over the span of four games, which is pretty crazy. And then Demontis Sabonis, 
He had three triple doubles this week, both of them against, uh, or two of them against the Denver Nuggets. So of those four, who would you pick to win the week? Well, because I don't know that I'll get another opportunity to do it. I'm going to go with Sabonis. Um, yeah. You know, the, the year the guy's having and, the, you know, the, the, the way he facilitates offense and the, the way he's tracking up these triples. I saw a list the other night. They, they put a graphic on the game of, like, career triple doubles. And, like, there was a lot of yeah. how many guys were on that list. But Sabonis has cracked this list yeah. of, like, all-time guys getting these triple doubles. I thought it was pretty fascinating that he's – He's been doing it for that long. It's not just what he's doing here lately. But, man, when you get three of them in a week and you do it against Denver twice and, and going up against Jokic, so I, I go with Sabonis. All right. I like it. I think he deserves it. Cue that outro music, Emma. This was a great week, a great week of shows. I love talking about some of the teams. The Warriors and the Mavs really won, you know, won the storylines for us on the show, and I thought they were so fascinating. But it was a great week of shows. We got the All-Star break this weekend. And then Legs is back with you all next week while I am off. I'm taking my little vacation before the end of the season and the playoffs. Um, Legs, great stuff this week. Yeah, man, great, great stuff. Great, great way to finish the week. I thought the show today was awesome. Um, and I look forward to your return, man. Enjoy your week off. Come back recharged, refreshed, ready for the uh, playoff push. No doubt about it, man. Everybody, thanks so much for tuning in. Hit that like button for us on the way out, and we'll see you on Monday. We all silly like the mayor. 